This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Post-match chat with chaps for that Millwall podcast where it finished at the Den. Millwall nil. Sheffield Wednesday 2. Being completely honest, even I didn't see that coming. Um, not just the result, but the performance. I, I really felt that yesterday was... Well, it was what it was, wasn't it? It was a massive six-pointer, and I thought the players would be up for it. But we didn't even get that kind of first 10, 15 minutes that we've been getting recently that um, where we've been taking it to teams. We, we didn't even get that, did we? It was just... Uh, a really poor performance, two very, very poor sides. But Sheffield Wednesday deserved to win. Deserved to win. Um, we created little to, to nothing, uh, particularly that first half. The first half was, I'm not exaggerating when I say an embarrassment. Um, and for me, the writing is on the wall for us unless something changes very quickly. Well, let's get into it. I'm going to do this a little bit different uh, again this week. Um, so I will touch on the match itself, but I won't go into play-by-play because play um, I don't think anyone really needs to hear that. So I'm going to cover the match itself quite quickly. Um, then I'm going to cover... Uh, I want to show some stats. So I'm actually going to try and do something different here and, and put some some stats on the screen. So if you're watching this back, you might see it. If you're not, I'm going to read the stats out as well. So if you listen to this as a podcast... Um, you get the point. And then I'm just going to sort of conclude by going through the bigger problem uh, and building on a little bit more after us, what I spoke about after the Ipswich game. Um, I just want to say as well, the the comments from the, the Ipswich, post-Ipswich review that I did in terms of looking at where the, where the problem lies with the club, um, I have to say thank you all so much because it, it does really mean a lot. I do this for fun. Um, and uh, ultimately to know that the content that I put out is appreciated is is great. So thank you to everyone who comments. And also um, really want to say thank you to uh, some of the, the fellas I met yesterday. I, I met quite a few of the, the listeners, um, naming no names. Uh, I met quite a few of the listeners yesterday and um, just to speak to you and to interact with you and also just to, again, hear your comments was, was fantastic. So I just want to say before we get into it, I really do appreciate um, all of that and... Um, yeah, I really do. I just want to make sure you all know that. So anyway, the match itself. So if I'm really honest, when I saw that lineup, um, I uh, <laughs> honestly, I thought it, it, it's not the lineup I'd have chosen at all in any way, shape or form. I think to have 
Murray Wallace and Danny Mac as wing backs at home against the team that are below us. I mean, that, that just sums it up to me. I just don't know what you know Edwards was thinking to play Cooper again and to play him again on the left side where he's been exposed badly again. I just don't get it. I'm sure Leonard could have played there. I'm sure Tanganga could have filled in. Um, coincidentally, I quite liked Tanganga in the middle, but that's not the point I'm making. Just it, it, I, I didn't like it. The fact that um, all of our athleticism and pace was on the bench. And that might be because they're not fit. And that's, I, I don't, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But the fact that Brooke, the fact that, um, you know, Obafemi wasn't even in the squad, Longman on the bench, obviously it's good to have these boys back. Imaku, they're the players, uh, Watmore, they're the players that are able to beat a man, a bit of pace, a bit of creativity, and they're all on the bench. So, you know, to, to play a 5 3 2 or 5-2-3, or whatever you want to call it, at home against a team that blow us in the table with Murray Wallace and Danny Mack as your wing-backs, which neither of them are wing-backs, to me was was really poor. If you're going to play 5-3-2, fine, but you play attacking players there. So you could have played Mayer and uh, Brooke, or if they're not fit, you play a back four. So that, that, that was where I think the first problem was. And ultimately, uh, the, the writing was on the wall. Um, so, you know, the lineup was what it was. Uh, so, Sarkic in goal, Cooper, captain, left centre back, uh, Tanganga, Leonard, um, the midfield duo of Denore and Honeyman, um, Danny Mack, Murray Wallace's wing backs, and then Fleming, Bradshaw, and SA as the front three. Um, so, I think, you know, sort of first 10, 15 minutes, it was just two very, very poor sides. Really, really poor side. I think. Um, uh, my friend who I was sitting next to said as well, like about the atmosphere, the fact that Sheffield Wednesday had brought so many, so many people to that, uh, you know, that, they've only won two games away all season, by the way, before yesterday. The fact that Sheffield Wednesday brought so many numbers, which they didn't always do, but yet they were really quiet until they scored, I think tells you a lot about the confidence prior to that game of both sets of fans. There was no atmosphere. And then when the atmosphere did pick up, it was for a negative reason. So we go one nil down. Um, they pick up the second ball after Tanganga steps in and intercepts. Masaba then does, I think it's Leonard, but I think SA is there as well, but not really putting a foot in. But he does, Leonard. It, it, this this one goes down to, it's not an individual error in the sense of this has caused the goal. But I think if you had to put blame anywhere, unfortunately, this does come on Lenny. L Lenny's been very consistent for us. I think he's, he's probably the only one that, could, you know, you could say he's due a mistake and you don't necessarily criticising too much but he does him puts it through his legs does him for pace and then he, he, he whips a superb ball in and then Ugbo who's now got three and three puts it in at the back post now a couple of things here so first of all it is a good goal from there after the initial Leonard piece Masaba does really well to get to where he needs to get to put the ball into a superb area and then Ugbo just wants it more and if you watch it back and unfortunately for me in order to do this I've had to watch the goals back quite a few times um, what happens is, is Cooper is with Ugbo. But then another one of their players, because Tanganga is out of position because he's gone to meet Musaba, Cooper then decides to go towards the front post, leaving Ugbo free. And at which point Murray Wallace can't get back quick enough. So it's just uh, all of that is because of Leonard being out of position because he's done. 
But again, just poor communication, clear showing of pace from Masaba, and um, they go one nil up. And it's like, how do you react from that? Well, react. We react. Well, we don't react actually whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. And then the second goal was just an embarrassment. Barry Bannon can't stand the bloke, but very good player. Always has been technically. If you give him time, he's never been fast. But he does Denor and Honeyman both up like a kipper. I then counted. He then goes five seconds, which is a long time in football, completely unchallenged. Then plays a great ball through to Masaba again, who's got plenty of pace. And then Masaba just rolls it into the back of the empty net. Maybe Sarkic could have done slightly better, but I wouldn't blame him for that. For me, that is just our midfield, just completely capitulating and Bannon just dictating it. Um, and then I'm just going to talk about the only two opportunities I recall us creating, which was one where a super ball through from Denor. We're in the second half now because we did nothing in the first half. I actually uh, I went for a pint about 30... Well, as soon as they scored the second goal, I went for a pint. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't watch any more of that first half. So if I'm missing something, then tell me. <laughs> um, but we had one chance um, where Super Bowl through from Denor. What more does well, cuts back inside as a shot. And I think it is cleared off the line by Bernard. I think it's going in. I don't think the keeper was getting there. Um, the keeper, by the way, very talented young goalkeeper, but he's 19. Did we do anything to make him feel that he was at the den and that he was being, uh, you know, bombarded? No, we didn't. We just let him take the piss by time wasting. It's it's just it's just all wrong. And then the other chance was a great ball in by Longman, similar to the ball that Masaba played in after some really good work from Fleming to release Longman down the right-hand side, who I thought actually looked all right when he came on. But it was a bit weird that when he came on, they pushed Brook back when um, Brook's probably our most athletic player. Um and then no one anticipates it. No one's there at the back post. Um, and it's just... And then we we end up just sort of losing 2-0 with a whimper. And that's all I'm going to say about the game because it's it's pointless. There's there's no point. You can sit there and analyse it all. But the, the problem's deeper than just yesterday. We know that. Um, and we now find ourselves just one point above the relegation zone with obviously Sheffield Wednesday winning, but more importantly, QPR winning away at Bristol City, showing that they can pick up points when needed. And um, unfortunately, I think we'll find ourselves in the bottom three come next Saturday because QPR have Rotherham at home and we're away at Southampton. If Ipswich put four past us and they stop trying after 60 minutes and Sheffield Wednesday put two past us, what is Southampton going to do? I mean, I'm glad I'm not going because it could be a cricket score. It's it's embarrassing. The lack of fight is just absolute shambles. And we're going to get onto all of that. Um, any players to come up with credit? Uh, I thought Fleming <clears throat> was one of the players to come out of credit. I, you know, he, he's. It seems weird because I felt that a while back he wasn't really giving it his all, whereas now I feel like he is, which is then contrary to a lot of the other players. So. I actually thought Fleming was half decent. Honeyman runs around a lot and tries hard. Uh, Danny Mack was okay, but he just, he can't go forwards. He can't he can't go forwards. He can't beat a man. So playing as a wing-back is, is a bit pointless. Um, and I thought overall Tanganga did all right, in fairness, uh, playing in that centre. I think Denor got the official man of the match. He did some really good bits like that ball forward, but I still don't, he doesn't look fully fit to me yet, but... Denore is Denore, Denore, I don't know. Um, 
uh, how to pronounce his surname. So apologies if I got that wrong. But um, he's 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 too good for us to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think Fleming and Denore, they, they are they are too good for us. Quite quite factually. <laughs> um, the and then I thought Longman did alright when he come on, but that's about it. Uh, Cooper, Cooper needs to come out the side. Um, he needs to come out the side, and if that means he has to drop the armband to someone, then just my opinion. But on the assumption that Hutch is not fit, on the assumption that Leonard could not be relied on to be fit as much as I like him, there's only two players really that you could give the armband to, and that's Fleming or Honeyman. Um, and maybe then it does need to be a big statement change like that in order for these players to have to kick up the arse they need. By the way, I'm recording this at 20 past one. We are now on Sunday uh, and obviously still no announcement. So by the time this comes out, there may or may not be an announcement. I have no idea. Um, I personally would be surprised if there is not an announcement based on where we are. But that then nicely segues me to uh, the next part of this video that I wanted to talk about, which is just to share some data because I wanted to do this for two reasons. First one is because I wanted to just take a look at a longer trend. And by the way, for what I do for a living, I basically analyze data all day. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is kind of my job, I suppose, and, and looking at data and then looking at what trends there are. So what I've done um, is looked at the last... So Joe Edwards has now been in charge for 18 games. And I've looked at the previous 18 games of which... I think 16 were Gary Rowett and two were Adam Barrett. And then essentially I've done a comparison. Um, and I've done this for two reasons. First one, as I say, I like to look at longer trends. And the second thing, um, someone who may or may not be listening to this asked me a question yesterday and asked me, how um, has our shots on target improved um, under Joe Edwards or not? So I'm here to tell you that answer. Uh, so bonjour to you too. Um, now, um, I'm asking Mickey to put it on screen now. So, um, Mickey, if you could flash up um, the data on screen. So, what we've got here is we've got the amount of games. So obviously, that's 18. The amount of wins, points accumulated. And then we've got other stats. So, we've got goals scored, goals conceded, average possession, average XG, average total shots, average shots on target, average big chances created, average corners, average passes, average pass accuracy, and then points per game. All right. So hopefully you can see that on screen now if you're watching this as, uh, as a video. Now, there's a couple of key takeouts from me um, on this one. So I think the first one is this is clear to see that the rot has started much earlier than Joe Edwards. So over the last 36 games, we've amassed 36 points, which is a point per game. All right. Now, that essentially extrapolated equates to 46 points over a 46-game season, right? Uh, and 36 games is a fairly good, you know, portion of that. So it's it's fairly representative. Um, all of these stats, by the way, are from FOTMOB. Um, so um, I'm sure we can put that in the link, but just to sort of tell you my source. And it may not be 100% accurate, but the point is direction it will be. And that's how I want to use that to kind of get some of my points across. So... 46 points over a season. Now, four times out of five of the last seat championship seasons, that will keep you in this league. Just, and I mean just. Most of the time, that will have you finish in one place above. One of those seasons, you would actually be relegated, which is the season that Charlton got relegated with 46 points. 
So that's a, that's the thing I want to say there. Um, points per game. Actually, I'm going to summarise actually, and then I'll drill into a few little bits. But the way I would look at this data is that you have things like average xG improving under Edwards, average shots on target improving under Edwards, average big chances improving under Edwards, average amount of passes, pass accuracy, all improving under Edwards, right? And that is why on the eye test we look better than we did again than we did under Rowett. However, in a results-based business where scoring goals and winning games count, we've gone backwards. And to me, that is the summary of pre-Edwards and now we are with Edwards. Now, this is not a Gary Rowett versus Joe Edwards comparison in that I'm not doing it for that purpose. I'm doing it to, to articulate that this problem has been there for a long time. And the fact that ultimately, despite it being a problem for a long time, we've actually gone slightly backwards in the things that matter. So our points and points per game have gotten back by 20%. So 20 points in 18 games under Rowett and, and Barrett, 16 points in 18 games under Joe Edwards. We're scoring less goals. So 19 goals uh, in that same period under Rowett and, Ed, uh, and uh, Barrett and 15 goals under Edwards. So this is a pretty damning uh, bit of analysis, really, because it just shows you that we are a bottom four, bottom five championship club over a period of 36 games. We haven't really improved that. Uh, sorry, we haven't improved. At Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At all, in terms of since Edwards has come in, on the bits that matter. So that is that is kind of what I wanted to sort of share there. Bottom line is, all the stuff in between has improved under Edwards, which is why we do look slightly better on the eye. But the facts are the facts, and our points per game is an absolute shambles and has been for the last two managers. So key takeout there is the problem runs deeper than Joe Edwards. Okay, That's essentially what I'm trying to get at. Um, the next thing, and we can flash this on screen again, is the home form. So this, uh, this is... Uh, this is this is actually embarrassing. So um, for the last 18 home games, nine under Rowett and Barrett and nine under Joe Edwards, we have won four games, four in 18. We've amassed 16 points out of a total of 54 at home. I'll say that again. 18 games, four wins, 16 points out of a possible 54. That is just an absolute shambles. Another fact for you. This season, and I include the cup in this, this season, right? So everything else, by the way, before that has been league. 
but I just wanted to articulate now about the den. We have conceded three or more goals seven times this season. Three or more goals seven times. And eight, if you include Blackburn in the last game of last season. That is an absolute shambles at home. I don't care who the opposition is. This The den's meant to be a fortress. It's a place people come to take the piss. The last two games, we played Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday. They've scored six goals to our zero. And both times, we've, their opposition fans have olayed against us. That is just, it's pathetic. And that's got nothing to do with Edwards, as I'm trying to say. This problem runs deeper. This has been a problem for the last 18 home games, which is almost the season. The players have got to look at themselves. We allow teams to come and take the piss, tippy-tappy, a lay here and there. Teams are in the bottom four. Sheffield Wednesday haven't won away from home for months. They'd only won twice all season away from home. 16 points from 54 at home the last 18 games. It's an absolute shambles. It really, really is. Um, so I just wanted to throw some stats at you there, um, which I like to do. And, um, you know, uh takes a bit of time to, to pull these stats together. So hopefully you found that useful. Obviously, it's it's probably uh, frustrating hearing it all, but it's it's just ridiculous. And then, then we go back to then where the bigger problem is. Now, um, a couple of things I want to talk about here. So the first one is, um, I was trying to find an analogy that essentially summarises it from a player's perspective in terms of why they cannot seem to motivate themselves for Edwards. Because everything I hear is that Joe Edwards is a very likeable character and I want him to succeed so much. I really do. I said that in uh, the last time and I'll say it again. I really feel for the bloke because I think the club and, and the players are throwing him under the bus. I'm not going to talk about the post-match interview, by the way, because... I think you can read into things a little bit too much. And the the thing I would actually read into from that post-match is he, he said something on the lines of, it's not for a lack of effort or players trying, it's a severe lack of quality. Now, that's pretty damning. But anyway, going back to it, I wanted to find an analogy as to why you've got this very likeable, good coach, and he's not able to get out anywhere near over a longer period Rowett, who supposedly didn't talk to the players, had no relationship and was boring. So those two things don't go together. So what is it? I think the first one is what I called out last time, which is I think Rowett was very, you know, free instructions. Defend for your lives at all cost. Only play a counter-attack and try and nick a goal from set pieces. And Edwards is probably coming in with 30 instructions and the players are getting confused and can't execute it. But from a motivation perspective, there's still no fight. Why is that? And I find this analogy, and this is either going to go down like a lead balloon or you're going to be like laughing at it. I don't know. But do you ever remember um, going back to school? <laughs> I'm just trying to, as I was saying, this is either going to go one way or two ways, um, where you would have a teacher that was bloody boring and you would hate, 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 hate his lessons because they were boring. You probably just went through textbooks all the time. And it, it was just something that you just didn't look forward to. You didn't really like him. There was no relationship with him, nothing. But he was effective at what he did in terms of getting getting people for exams and getting good results. Because I remember teachers like that. They were boring, but ultimately their job was to get you to pass your exams. Then you would have teachers 
And maybe we can even go as far to say you had supply teachers that would come in and all of a sudden you would be buzzing that a supply teacher came in because they would probably let you watch a video or they would do something completely different to just looking through textbooks. However, the problem is, after a while, you start to see through that and you start to see that they don't actually have much of a plan other than just showing you a video and trying to be fun and trying to be exciting and trying to be different. And you start to see through that and you realize why maybe they've been a supply teacher all of their career. And you can start to draw conclusions for that and see where I'm going with the analogy. Is it that Edwards ultimately is a very good coach and has a very good plan A and possibly is used to training with players who've got a lot more technical ability than ones that we have. But unfortunately, because the results are not starting to come in, players are starting to think, who is this guy? Like, why? I don't understand why he's the manager. Why should I be listening to him? His instructions aren't working. We're not getting results. Now, I'm not saying that's happening. I've got no clue. But I just wanted to try and look at it to try and understand why these players who supposedly are a good, honest bunch are not, I wouldn't say they're not playing for Edwards, but they're not giving it their all. You can tell, you can see that. That's a difference between he's lost the dressing room and oh, maybe he's starting to lose the dressing Maybe I'm, I'm contradicting myself there. But I wouldn't say they're not playing for him, but I wouldn't say they're giving it 100%. So whether that whether you think he's off, off his head with that analogy or whether you can see kind of directionally where I'm going with it, um, I'm sure you'll let me know either way. Um, okay, a couple of more things that I wanted to talk about. So, again, taking a step back, this the, the, the club were clearly rocked by a magnitude of things that have happened this season. In actual fact, if you take a step back and you look at them, it's probably no wonder as a club we're in the disarray that we are. You had the Blackburn loss, which we don't know the impact of that. You then had the tragic passing of our chairman, JB. You've also got things like the Husky saga. You've got things like the whole Lurch situation. You've got the George Long fiasco, which, let's be honest, he was handed out of the club by us, the fans. That's 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 the reality of it. And then that also led to a panic buy potentially of Sarkic. You've got the impact of our transfer business from what happened with JB and possibly us not selling Fleming being a result of that. So there's lots of things that have happened. And then you, you add that into what we're trying to achieve with Joe Edwards. And Joe Edwards requires players with technical ability. It's clear to see he's gone after players with more athleticism and pace. How many players in the team that aren't loan signings from Joe Edwards have we got that could beat a man? Seriously. How many players in the team have we got that could beat a man? I'll go a step further. How many players in the team outside of Fleming and Denor would get in a top half championship club? Uh, 11. Answer me that question. The recruitment, we, we, the club want to go a different direction. They want to play more free-flowing, attacking football that's pleasing on the eye, but they're not willing to do that with the recruitment. And I know it takes a while. I get that. But ultimately, we need to be for the here and now. And you cannot do that, 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 that execute that playing style with the players we've got and the recruitment for the last few years now has not been good enough and not been in the same direction. You cannot recruit players for one style 
and then try and execute in a completely different style. Gary Rowett never signed a single winger. You can't then expect us to have players that have got pace and athleticism because that's ultimately the, the, the what wingers are. It's just complete disconnect in strategy from the club. And I wanted to, to sort of mention that. The other thing I want to mention is it would be an absolute catastrophe to go down this season. Make no mistake about it for a number of different reasons, but predominantly financial reasons. So I don't know all the facts. So when I'm about to say this, this could be completely wrong, but it is my take from reading an article from uh, from The Athletic that goes to talk about the new TV deal that's coming in. So essentially, and again, if I'm wrong, that's fine, but directionally it'll be, it'll be there or thereabouts, right? So at the moment, According to this article, we receive around about 9 million from the TV and the EFL. At the moment, a League One club receives around 1.3 million. So already, that is a huge drop in revenue from those two things. There, although we won't necessarily get this proportion, there is a 46% increase going to championship clubs overall. So we may end up with... 40 instead of 46, don't know. But the point is, overall, that number's going to be increased significantly. Whereas League One will only get 26% increase. So bottom line is, from pure TV and EFL money alone, relegation is worth about 10 million, 10 million a season to us. That is that is huge, right? And it's only going to be exacerbated with this new TV deal. So it's, it's worth about 10 million. On top of that, if we got relegated... We would lose Fleming and Denor for a lot less than if we was to sell them in the championship. Because there would be two players that you can guarantee and SA would all leave. No, no question. If you lose players like Fleming and Denor, would we still get this influx of um Eastern European following that we've got? Now, people can say, don't like that, you know, they're ruining the atmosphere, whatever. I'm 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 not talking about it. I'm talking about pure financial benefit. There is no doubt that the tourists bring money to this club and a club that we are now saying need to go out and recruit better players. We need the money all we can get because we can't rely on JB to continue to, to, to bankroll us. You, that is what I'm saying. With the TV and EFL money going down, with players that won't be here and the impact it will have on um, match match day revenue this will be a 10 to 15 million pound a year drop for us. We cannot afford to go down. So how do we not go down? My opinion is that we need to make a managerial change. The players absolutely are a major part in, in, in that they deserve a major, major part. As I said the other day, and I stand by this, if you were to apportion blame between Bald, Edwards, and the players, I would actually give Edwards the smallest part of the blame. And I stand by that. However, the only thing that can change at this stage is Edwards. And we have to stay up. So for me, as Alan Sugar would say, with regret, you're fired, Joe Edwards, because unfortunately, we've got to make a change. So Joe Edwards needs to go. And then who do you bring in? Well, in my opinion, the only thing because there is quality there. There is there is quality in our team. It's not a top-end championship team. Anyone who thinks that's deluded, but it's better than where they are now. 
We need an old school manager that will give this group a kick up the arse because it is pathetic. Some old school principles, not taking any shit. That's what we need, even if it's to the end of the season. Now, who's out there? I don't know. I'm going to throw some names out here, and I'm sure in the comments I'm going to be absolutely slagged for some of these names. But if you disagree, tell me who you would bring in then instead. So um, the names I would bring in is, uh, or the names I would throw out is someone like a Nigel Pearson, proper old school manager, probably doesn't want to be in the game that much longer anyway, so to the end of the season work for him. Big Sam, some people have, have laughed all over this, I know they have, but Big Sam, could he be enticed with a nice big bonus to keep us up? Which actually, if you think about 10 million, maybe it's worth paying out. Don't know. Um, I know he's old, I know he's had heart problems, but I personally still think for the right job, he'd come back and uh, he is an ex-player after all. So there's two options there. For a slightly more longer term, the only managers out there that I think, and my preference would probably be Alex Neil. Alex Neil, um, still fairly young, 42. Uh, he's managed three different championship clubs. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he got a promotion with Norwich and he also got promoted to the championship with Sunderland. Uh, he was sacked at Stoke, but let's be honest, Stoke's a poison chalice. So he's available. For me, if we want someone slightly more longer term, we should go out and get him right now because I think he is probably the best of what's available out there. I said before I'd have liked Tony Mowbray, but that ship sailed. The other one's Paul Heckingbottom, but I think he's a professional northerner and I don't think he'd come. So I guess to summarise, I'm sorry, but Edwards has to go and I would bring in either a hardcore old school manager like Pearson or Allardyce, or if you want to go slightly longer term, I'll bring in Alex Neil. And that's your lot. It's gone slightly over. So, as I said, just to kind of recap, I think, on everything I said today, uh, the game yesterday was a complete shambles. The We didn't really look like we had a plan. The players didn't really look like they were giving it their all. We were beaten by a very poor side that were just better than us. The problem has been there for a long time. I shared the stats to back that up. Our home form in particular is an absolute shambles. We've only four wins in the last 18 and the blame, as I've said previously, really does lie with the club as a whole from top to bottom. It's not good enough. And unfortunately, Edwards is the man that is going to be scapegoated for it. Um, he doesn't, he's not exempt from blame. I think he's probably too inexperienced for the job that he's now got at hand. And for that reason, he needs to go and we need to bring in someone that's going to roll up these players and give them the kick up they need to keep us in this league. Because if we don't stay in this league, it could be worth, worth around 10 million dropping revenue for us and breathe that was all done in one take thank god <laughs> listen um thank you all very much for listening please do um share like comment subscribe all that kind of stuff um and as i said earlier i really do appreciate every single comment that, that comes in um and i really do like it's nice to meet some of you all yesterday um it's probably the only positive to come out of yesterday to be honest <laughs> um but look We'll uh, we'll see what happens in the next week. Will we have a new manager? We'll be in the bottom three by this time next week. Who knows? Um, I'm sure time will tell. But thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye for now. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.